It's time for Wolo and Friends on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Presented by Homer Skelton Hyundai. Here is your host, the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. It's official. The U of M came out with a statement today. Mikey Williams is enrolled in school, but he will not be allowed in facilities or any participation with any of the team activities until he is cleared by a court. Of course, that court date doesn't come until October, but the university, I guess, felt compelled finally to issue a statement today, and therefore they did, and therefore we found out he is absolutely, I'm I'm guessing he's taking these classes online, which is probably exactly what DeAndre Williams is doing, because you got to be in class, right? And I, I guess if you're DeAndre, you don't worry about dropping it if you don't get eligibility. But if you get eligibility, hello. You're taking online, you're eligible to play, and on we go to whenever we find out. But uh, we do know now for sure, no Mikey Williams in the University of Memphis near future here. I, I, I would imagine he could come on as a second semester guy, right? I mean, if he gets cleared, he's in class, he could start Once he's cleared, practicing with the team. I hear a bunch of people, even nationally, they're like bashing it that there's the feeling Memphis should have separated themselves from him. I I think there's a presumption of innocence until proven guilty. So I don't know why you would turn your back on this kid who continues to say the way the events uh, unfolded in San Diego are, are uh, being presented, that, that is not the way they really came down. So I think the guy deserves his time in court. And and, and this is what always gets me, too. These guys are, are human beings, right? So I, I hear one guy in particular who writes about this, in fact, who's saying he's not even a four-star. I mean, he's the most overrated four-star guy. Why would you want to? Help him, pretty much. Well, because the guy's a human being. He's trying to be a, a student athlete, smart enough to be a social influencer that's made a lot of money. Maybe in the end he'll be a very productive human being. And so why would you turn your back on the kid that committed to you when he could have committed many other places? Then this incident occurred until you know. And that's what the whole judicial system is based upon. So... um well, I, I think Mikey Williams deserves every opportunity to clear himself. And if he doesn't clear himself and he has to do jail time, then then, then the school, I think, by, by rule, by law, by uh, academic standards, whatever is written in place for the university guidelines, would say that a guy that is – although you, know, you could probably do online courses while in prison if that were the case. So I, I, I don't know. I'm just saying to you – um, I wouldn't deny this guy uh, the the education he's supposed to get. I don't know. I, I, I guess until he's guilty, you would have to honor the scholarship offer you gave him. Yeah, maybe so. I mean, I like what you said that why would you keep him around? He's not that good a player. Well, because he's a person, right? I mean, but and, and you should care. And as a coach, you should care about the people. Like you know, Coach Prime says that all the time. Is I'm trying to develop people into young men, be be respectable young men in society. But furthermore, if you just want to look at it from like a political perspective of being a college recruiter, why wouldn't you distance yourself from this guy? Because that could be used against you by other coaches as well to say you he clearly didn't care about the people he's recruiting. Look what he did the minute exactly. something came up negatively. Uh, that, that, that's very true. I, but but I'm not I, – I, obviously, that's a very good point and one of the first things you ever think about is, oh, Penny's got to protect himself because he's going to try to recruit other four-star guys. And if he cuts them, Bill Self is going to say, look what they did to him in Memphis, right? But I, I don't want to go there with that because I, my principle on this is the kid is innocent until proven guilty and he still wants to be a part of the team – He's he's a he's a guy. He's a human being. He's enrolled in classes. He keeps tweeting when he tweets that he wants to be a part of this. Why would you deny that guy that 
that that honor uh, until he's proven guilty, and then it's then it's a different ball game. And and by guideline, it might be a different ball game. And I don't know what the rules or the standards or 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 legalities are for the University of Memphis. That's probably a fair question to ask Penny at some point. But um, at this point, that that's not it. But uh, the university was compelled today to make that statement, so we know for sure Mikey Williams, until he's cleared, will not be a part of any. Of the activities, but we do know he is enrolled in school. Still no word on DeAndre Williams. Jason Munns is going to join us uh, at 1025. Uh, our friend Andy Schiffman is going to be off this week. He's taken a little vacay, well-deserved. And so we'll have um, our, our good friend Jason Munns, beat writer for the Commercial Appeal, on with us. That will be on Friday at 10. 25. Busy show today. Steve Eric joins us in in about five minutes or so. Brett Norsworthy on the SEC, and so is Ron Higgins. We got heavy SEC after we talk with Mr. Earhart on today's program. I was sad yesterday. Brooks Robinson, who in my day, and the Cubs had Ron Santo, really when I was young, and the White Sox were in the World Series in 59. They had a guy named Bubba Phillips. But there have always been good third basemen in my era. Mike Schmidt was a great third baseman. I guarantee you, uh, the guy that precedes me, that would be Greg Gaston, big Phillies fan. I, I guarantee you he worshipped Mike Schmidt, who was a great hitter and a great third baseman. But in my lifetime, the greatest third baseman of all time was Brooks Robinson, the human vacuum cleaner is what they called him. I always tried, because I played a lot of third base in my youth, to emulate him, particularly going behind the bag, backhanded at, at third. He won 16 consecutive gold gloves, 16 in a row at third base. To me, he defined the position. Sparky Anderson, Cincinnati Big Red Machine, who they beat in the World Series, uh, other opposing managers always basically said he defined that position. And, uh, you know, they swept the Los Angeles Dodgers with Drysdale and Koufax. Uh, that was either late 60s, early 70s, can't remember which. He, he was incredible in that game. 18 times he was an all-star. 18 times. 16 consecutive gold gloves, 18 all-stars. Two World Series titles, the 64 MVP. You know where he was born? Little Rock, Arkansas. And he never sort of lost his twang, although he became a fixture of Baltimore, Maryland. But um, I, I, I think the greatest third baseman that I have ever witnessed. And he passed away. Well, had a good life, 86 years of age. I don't know how the end was. Looked a little scruffy in some of the pictures. But um, apparently he was one gentleman, one really nice guy. All I saw was the player on the field. I never saw off the field. But I can tell you this. I heard uh, African-American players, and this is in the 60s when things were still pretty rough on the major league players that were black in in MLB. And uh, he, he apparently was an opening arm inclusive guy. So um, I'm, I'm sorry for uh, the loss to the Brooks Robinson Family. I'm sorry for me because I saw the Cubs explode yesterday at a 6 nothing lead. They're still up 6-5, bottom of the eighth. And there's a pop-up to right field. There's two men on. Cubs are going to get out of the inning with a 6-5 lead. And their right fielder, five-time gold glover in Japan. What is it? Seiyo Suzuki? Seiya. Seiya. Seiya Suzuki. Seiya calls the center fielder off. I got this. Inning's over. We're still going to lead 6-5. They led 6-0. And he misses the ball. He just flat out missed the ball like a little leaguer. And I'm talking about the lower levels of the little leaguers because the guys that play in Pennsylvania in the Little League World Series would have made that catch. Pop up right field. Cubs are out of the inning. Good job by the... Relief pitcher, Suzuki drops the ball. Two-run score, Cubs lose. They blow a 6 nothing lead, lose 7-6. In my mind, the Suzuki drop 
not quite like the Bartman incident. But the Suzuki drop is the end of the Cubs' playoff chances. I hate to say it. It's not in stone. Maybe they turn around and take the next two from the Braves. But my gut tells me that drop dropped the Cubs from postseason play. We shall see. And then, J-Mo, yeah, I, I, I must say I, I feel old every day. Although I'm not as old as our next guest, Steve Earhart, who's coming up here. But um, I'm feeling older every day. I'm listening to... Greg and Eli and Zach Boyd, and they're talking, I guess, song titles, right. best song titles, and and they start talking about these rap songs and old school rap guys, old school rap guys. Wow, and I like I don't recognize one song or one artist. And then Zach Boyd says, "Oh yeah, yeah, he's really old school. He was like 1988, and I wasn't on Earth yet." And then I realized. This is why I don't know any of these guys. In 1935, when he's not on the planet yet, I'm already old. I'm 35. At different generations I, of radio. My like, goodness, it's crazy. And so that's why I'm asking you, a younger generation. I am amazed at the interest. Seriously. I am confounded, perplexed, whatever adjective you want to use, on our uh, – Interest, really, infatuation with Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift. Like the Today Show does something on it every single day now. Up to the minute. But this is nuts. Everybody's into it. I don't understand it. Do you want, Do you listen to this? Kansas City jersey sales. Do you know how much they're up? I, I saw some crazy percentage. 400%. Coming. That's right. Just because she likes the team and she's dating the guy? Wait a second. The broadcast of the game with the Bears. It's embarrassing what happened there. They they had the most watched game of the weekend. This was 34-0 at the half. The most watched game of the weekend, all because she's in a press box, 24.3 million. Most watched. By the way, the audience was 8% higher from uh, with females 12 to 17. The game for the Jets, the ticket sales in New York, up 200% just because she might be going. What? Explain this to me, J-Mo. I, I can't. They're already digging the, the Swifties, as they're called. They're digging into Travis Kelsey. Is Taylor in danger? Because in the preseason, Travis Kelsey punched one of his teammates at practice. Is that a bad sign for Taylor going forward in their relationship? Does he, Does have, he hit a teammate? Because he hit a teammate. Does oh, he have fists on. of rage? That's what they're saying. I tell you what. I've got a bold take for you. Didn't expect to say this today, but I'll tell you right now. I think it's a fake relationship. The day after that, the Chiefs play on Thursday Night Football... Taylor Swift's big movie tour streams on Amazon. I think it's orchestrated by Amazon to put the two of them together. You saw him walking out of the arena. It didn't look like they were two lovey-dovey people that just met his parents. You know, they would be holding hands or doing some kind of gesture of, of romantic gesture of some kind. There was nothing. They didn't even look like they liked each other. I think it's all staged, Dave. See, you're not the first. They, they, they mentioned that possibility on the Today Show, that it's a mock relationship. I think it is. Wow. We're on to something. I'd say we're we're stumbling to their depths now, this thing. All I know is she's had a lot of boyfriends since she became a star. So I would say the over-under on this relationship can't be more than six months anyway, all right? Between the two of them, their average uh, length of relationship is like four months. So, yeah, you're right. There it's we not going to last set, very long. We set the thing at, at five months is probably a fair bet. That's, that's we'll right. get it on both sides. That's right. All right. That's t- – Crazy. Wait, we gotta we gotta talk with our friend Steve Earhart in a minute. I let everybody know I'm in the family leisure studio. Don't forget the world's biggest spa sale. It's back and bigger than ever before. Fifty different models to choose from. Five different manufacturers. It's all happening at I forty and Widden Road. That is the world's biggest spa sale. And this portion of our show brought to you by Conway. Conway services heating, cooling, plumbing, electric, a cold shower. That's no way to start your day. Purchase a new water heater from the pros at Conway. It's simple. Call 384-3511. Mention us. And you can get new technology two ways. One, new, more efficient tank water heaters, which are cool. And that's a way to go. 
But I go upgrade a little more. I get the newest technology. I get the tankless, where you save money on your energy bill because you're only heating the water you use. And the greatest part is I don't care if you have gas and you're using a washing machine, you're using your dishwasher all at the same time. You never run out of hot water, ever, never run out of hot water. And if you call 384-3511, you may be eligible for $2,000 in federal tax credits. Please call my friends at Conway. Let's head cross town. Let's talk with the big cheese, the head honcho of the AutoZone Liberty Bowl yesterday, or last week, I should say. He was very vociferous in his uh, yearning for an updated uh, Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium, where the AutoZone Liberty Bowl is played. And we are here a week later, wondering, as the Tigers get ready to play Boise, do we have any new news? Because they, I believe, isn't there going to be a presentation or there needs to be a presentation? If you want to really break ground on the remodel after the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, there is a meeting in October with the council that has to be a part of this. What's the latest? Steve Earhart, good morning. Good morning, and I think you hit it right on the head, David. I think it does not go to the city council. It's in the mayor's hands at this point. But, you know, all indications are that uh, we do need to get started on the Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium uh, right after our game. Our game, the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, the 65th edition, is on December 29th this year, Friday afternoon. So hopefully they'll be able to start here on January 2nd and uh, get going on it. And uh, I think the key thing, and I think for the public to understand, is that the bones of the uh, of the stadium are great. The sight lines are so close to the field, and but it is antiquated in certain certain areas of you know, uh, I guess the infrastructure there, the press box, the uh, the, the suite areas, the concourses, that that kind of thing. We need to keep updated. And Tiger fans who went up to uh, St. Louis saw that the uh, the building up there, the dome, you know, how they've kept it up. They they're actually putting money into it right now. They're doing several hundred. I think it was two hundred million dollars. Well, turf, I'll tell you that. That turf's eight yeah, years old. It looks like it's eighty. Yeah, well, they're, they're they're working on that. But I do think that this is a, a great weekend to look back and talk about the stadium, and it does need that work. But I think all the fans out there, they ought to turn out for this this great game here with the Tigers, Boise State, and talk about memory lane and our age. But nineteen years ago, we had an amazing situation there, and talk about conference realignment in. In the 2003 AutoZone Liberty Bowl game, remember we had Utah, who was the champion of the Mountain West uh, Conference, and Urban Meyer and Dan Mullen were the coaches. But then the next year they won the title again. And so we worked a, a kind of a, a, a fancy arrangement where we traded Utah rather than them coming two years in a row to the Fiesta Bowl where they won that game out there because Boise State was just emerging as the new darling of the football world. They were undefeated ranked high. They had never played a game, regular season, bowl game or anything, east of the Mississippi River. So we worked hard and we were able to bring in uh, uh, Boise State. It was their first trip here. And of course, uh, this Saturday will be their second trip stadium. But the, those fans that were at that game will remember it was one of the most memorable games ever. It was ranked, uh, ESPN declared it an instant classic. Uh, Louisville was had a, a, only lost one game the entire year. They were ranked. They had only lost at Miami, who was like number one at the time. And Boise State came in undefeated. Those were only eleven games. There was they were eleven and zero, and so that that game turned out was forty four to forty, with uh, uh, Louisville winning the last few plays. And at that time, it was. In a, I was looking back. It was the uh, the seventh most viewed bowl game in the history of ESPN, and it was. I think. Uh, second most watched game of the entire bowl season that year so the folks that were there may remember that game uh little richard was pounding away at halftime we always honor a, a musical star there at halftime and uh and the real key now and you pointed this out david that boise state's coach now andy wonderful avalos. guy named and andy avalos and you you had pointed out that he had a 92 yard interception return he was a defensive back and he was named, I'm looking here at the uh, the history, that he was named Boise State's Outstanding Defensive Player. The AutoZone Liberty Bowl gives a, an outstanding offensive and defensive player to each team. So even though they lost 44-40, to 40, Andy Avalos uh, was the star defensive player of the game. And now he's returning here. 
and I look for a, a really fun game. And those folks that were there 19 years ago, you know, come back out and see Andy Avalos returning. So it's it's kind of cool that we have uh, Boise State for the second time coming back to visit Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, here's a little fun fact, too. Uh, Andy Avalos on that 90, what, what did you say it was? I know it was a pick six. How many yards? 92. 92-yard pick, yeah. pick six. That was his last play as a college player. How about that? That is a yeah. good way to end your collegiate career. And, of course, now he uh, is the head coach of the Boise State Broncos, and they'll be here. All right, let me uh, ask you a, a, a little bit about your game and all of the possible combinations that all of the Jerry Palms and and uh, uh, the ESPN experts uh, when they project games out. I've seen in your game on the SEC side, Ole Miss, Auburn, Kentucky. That would be all right. I've seen on the Big 12 side, Iowa State, UCF, Cincy. I believe West Virginia has been in there. What are your favorite matchups? Well, one of the ones that you mentioned, and you're right, every week we publish the list of the most credible because that's one of the most interesting uh, items that fans follow all over the country is projections because fans are trying to make their plans and where will our team go. And so we certainly follow that very closely. And uh, usually we get pretty close there, especially later in the season. But you had it right. Right now there's so many possibilities, and especially with the expansion of the Big 12, You've got all those new teams. So I'm just looking at a list here that one ESPN guy picks uh, TCU, another picks Kansas. Now, they were still, since we were just in Missouri last week, they're still trying to put together the Missouri versus Kansas, you know, the old border war game, even though we had normally. We I don't know. Missouri doesn't want to come play in Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium, <laughs> seems to well, me. They, came, they paid a million they bucks came. not to. Yeah, well, they came they came here to play in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl three, four years ago when they played Oklahoma State. So, uh, you know, but we're I hear what you're saying. I know uh, that that may not that would maybe be a far fetched thing, especially because Kansas was here last year. But that, I'm looking at the charts. So they've got, uh, as you mentioned, out of the Big Twelve, uh, you've got uh, West Virginia, and then one game that I think might be real interesting in CBS Sports, I think this is Jerry Palms because he writes for the CBS Sports. Right, that's right. Is Auburn versus UCF because that would be, uh, for the fan bases of those two schools, Gus Malzahn back against his old school at Auburn. So, And we have not had Auburn since Bo Jackson days. So it would be, that I think would be pretty interesting. Here, Here's another one, 247 Sports has got Tennessee versus BYU. BYU has played here twice over the years, back when they were champions of the Mountain West. And they play and offense period. there, buddy, let me tell you. Uh, that Arkansas <laughs> game so, was pretty good. Yes, and so I, it's it's pretty wide open, and as I say, uh, we're, we're pleased that there are four more teams in the Big 12 giving more selection opportunity. And I think the new teams to be able to play against a, an SEC team, for example, uh BYU we just mentioned, or UCF getting a chance to play against an SEC team. Remember, we had that famous matchup with UCF against Mississippi State when uh, you know we had that great close game when uh, went down to the fire. And so there there are some really good opportunities for us this year for December 29th. Uh, again, uh, you know, a sneaky good team might be West Virginia there that uh, you know we'll, we'll keep a close watch on. They were here about five years ago. Yeah, we got a so, long, uh, we'll be- long way to go. We're only a quarter of the way through the season. <laughs> Thank you, That's my true, friend. But, but uh, yeah, we we appreciate that, and uh, hopefully the fans will turn when Boise State was here, and it was quite unique then. Nobody knew much about Boise State, but uh, remember Lee Corso, you know, my friend there, he said, well, what a great matchup. You get two top ten teams. So we did a lot of maneuvering. They have uh, undefeated Boise State here. So that was their last trip here. So should be a great game on Saturday. No doubt about it. Thank you, Steve. We appreciate it. We'll see you at uh, Simmons Bank. That's our guy, Steve Errett, from the AutoZone Liberty Brothers, brought to you by the good folks at Grind City, all Memphis, just like Steve has become. Grind City was the sort of the dream of a father and son. They wanted to take care of beernets in Memphis, and my gosh, have they ever done that with their most famous product, probably the Pilsner that everybody loves. It's just what the doctor ordered 
Poppy's Pills. That's their number one seller. But folks love the pale ale. That's the God Hopper. The new Thaddeus Amber Lager is a big seller. And there's a Blue Moon type of Belgian-style wheat ale they call the Belga. I call it good. That is for sure. I love Tiger Tail, the Kraft Malt Liquor. All these are a taste of Memphis. The brewery is beautiful just north of downtown. You can see with the picnic tables they've got set up on this green expanse, the bridge. It just is a cool setting. The brewery itself is amazing. Get your products there. Or you can get them anywhere around town. Grind City, a real taste of Memphis. And, of course, our title sponsor, you know that's Homer. Homer Skelton Hyundai in Olive Branch. The parking lots are packed with brand new product. New Genesis cars, new Hyundais. I'm a Santa Fe guy myself. I think we've got three of them in our family. We are a four Hyundai car family. Yes, we believe in the product. We've gotten them all from Homer Skelton Hyundai. And here's the thing about Homer Skelton Hyundai right at the corner of Craft Road, first exit Mississippi, off Highway 78, which is Lamar. And by the way, that highway is now very quick. All the lanes are good. There's still another underpass to go in, but one's there. I mean, it's easy to get to. You get there in 10 minutes now. And one thing about the experience is it's so easy their customer retention is outstanding. All you got to do is get there. Go see my friend Chris True and all the gang at Homer Skelton Hyundai. We'll be joined by our good buddy. That's Stats North Resorty. He comes your way in a matter of moments. Start your day with Sports 56 Mornings with Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Weekday mornings from 7 to 10 right here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Wolo and Friends on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM, presented by Homer Skelton Hyundai. Here once again is the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. Lonely feeling, deep inside, find the corner where I can hide. Welcome back in. No guess who for you? No guess who? Who's on the equipment on the other side somewhere, probably in Forest City, Arkansas. Our friend Brett Norsville, you listen to him every afternoon, 3 to 6. He and Bryant with Sports Time. Good morning to you. Uh, you've survived the Alabama game, the trip to Tuscaloosa, which I know you love because you've been there many, many times. I know you didn't love the outcome here. It was a good game for a while, but Alabama just wore them down. A little like, I guess, the way the Tigers were dorn, uh, worn down by Missouri. Good morning. Yeah, I said there were. Th- Good morning, Dave. There were three area close losses last weekend: the Tigers against the Tigers in St. Louis, Ole Miss against Alabama in Tuscaloosa, and Arkansas on the road at LSU. And the difference in all three of those games is the other team just had had a few more players. They are, and in some cases, a lot more. And and in two two of those three, they were distinctly at home, and one had a, a home field advantage, even though it was not being played on campus. And that was the game you attended. But Alabama, it's still Alabama. That running game got going in the second half with I thought a great halftime adjust, adjustments offensively and defensively by Alabama, and their defense I think is as good as maybe any as they've had the last few years, especially the the back seven or eight. The front's not – it's not overwhelming. It's good, but it's not overwhelming. LSU's front is better, both Alabama linebackers and secondary, I think, probably are the tops in the league. Um, so you go from Bama to LSU this week. Yeah. Of course, you've got it in Oxford. That's life in Arkansas next week. the SEC, and in particular the SEC West, which will not be the way this thing is set up here in the near future. But um, – what 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 a what a back to back! It's only a two and a half point line, uh, which which I, I was a little surprised at, considering I, I know LSU got spanked a little bit by Florida State in the opening game, but they appear to be a pretty darn good team. What's your gut yeah. feel? Your your first impression of what those Tigers are like? Well, they're really good. Uh, the fourth quarter of FSU, notwithstanding, but what Jaden Daniels is doing, he's off to. His touchdown interception is twelve to two now. He finished last year seventeen and five hmm. touchdowns to interceptions. So he's about to eclipse his twenty twenty two total when he was quarterbacking 
the Western Division champions of that of the SEC last year. He's already about to top that. So Ole Miss is going to see a lot better quarterback play this week than it did last week because Jalen Milrow was really just mostly one-dimensional. He, he did hit some good passes after the run, got it loosened up a little. But the Alabama wide receivers, while talented, are very young. They're still waiting for them to emerge. I think LSU's wide receivers are better than Alabama wide receivers, notably Malik Neighbors. Mm. So uh, this will be tough, uh, obviously. It, Real and, tough. And, and uh, uh, Blake Topmeyer, who is USA Today's SEC writer, does a good job, uh, has facts that he uses at his command. He has taken some shots at Lane Kiffin. Uh, one was because they t- he took a shot, Lane Kiffin did, uh, at, at one of the writers uh, in Alabama who said he was going to go to Auburn last year. Do, do you think – that was a TV reporter. Oh, Columbus, TV Mississippi, reporter. John okay. Oh, okay. Is is there a uh, is 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 there a media prejudice sort of against Lane Kiffin? Do you think? I don't think so. John Sokoloff, in the end, did he did he go to Auburn? No, no. So John Sokoloff was wrong in his reporting. Right. Um, but Kiffin took a shot at him. Topmeyer, I guess, was defending his guy. That, I, I don't, I don't that know fair? the relationship. Okay. Um, I, I don't know Blake Topmeyer or John Sokolov. Okay. Uh I, I just I thought I thought it was interesting. Um and and he I guess Lane Kiffin against some of the SEC teams in the last six, seven games has not produced. There's no pressure on him. The guy just signed a contract extension, uh using Auburn interest to to solidify uh, his security. At Ole he's, Miss. Done, he's done a great job at Ole Miss. He's 26 and 14. That's 40 games. In the 40 games prior to him being hired, Ole Miss was 17 and 23. Same thing for Sam Pittman at Arkansas. And he, he's had a rough and tumble week with the media and he's, he's, you know, closed out his Twitter account, whatever. He's 21 and 19. In the 40 games prior to Sam, uh, Sam Pittman at Arkansas, they were 10 and 30. Yeah. Sam Pitt, that was interesting too. That Sam Pittman, I mean, he came out and he's upset about social media. I mean, really upset. Were he did, you, he were, did the were, best thing you need to do, though. Get, get off of it. I, honestly, it's, it's utter garbage. I, I I thought it was pretty amazing that he just came out. And I, the thing I like about Sam Pittman, win or lose, he always shows up and he always basically tells it the way he sees it, which is usually darn accurate. And and he's done Arkansas a really good job. People need to remember where both of those jobs, where they stood before Lane Kiffin and Sam Pittman were hired. A&M, by the way, six-and-a-half-point favorite at Arkansas. Um, No, it's in Dallas. Oh, it's in Dallas. I'm sorry. At Arlington. They play that that game on a neutral all the time, don't they? Well, they have for the last number of years. It started as the Southwest Classic when Texas A&M was still part of the Big 12, but this year will end it. It will go to campus after this year. Is A&M that good? Or should they be six-and-a-half-point favorites on a neutral? I think a lot of it is the wear and tear of Arkansas the last two weeks playing and losing close games to BYU and LSU. They yeah. arguably could be 4-0, but they're not. They're 2-2, two and two and the stretch just continues to get difficult for them. A&M in the neutral, that's pretty 50-50. There's a big Razorback presence then next week at Oxford for Arkansas, and then the week after that at Tuscaloosa, and then the week after that they get Mississippi State at home before Mm. finally getting to the open date. In the preseason, everybody knew this stretch would be tough. And then coming out of the open date, uh, they go to Gainesville to play Florida. It just does not get easy for them. I mean, they they can't wait till they see Florida International for homecoming in late November. In those two close losses that you just mentioned, if I recall correctly – one of their better weapons, let's face it, Jefferson is their key, but their best running back, Rocket Sanders, he hasn't played, correct? He only had 40, only has 42 yards for the season, a very limited duties opening day against Western Carolina in Little Rock. I think he had 14 carries that day, had two receptions, so only 16 touches all year for Rocket Sanders. And they've been saying every week that you know they're getting closer, they're getting closer, and just see if he can go any at A&M and – Probably will be good to go by the time they come to Oxford. Missouri is at Vanderbilt. 
That game is the Tigers of Missouri 13-and-a-half-point favorites, even though it's on the road in Nashville. The uh, Tigers are now a top-25 team after defeating the Memphis Tigers. That line's a little surprising. I think Missouri is a little surprising. Would you now figure they're, they're a little bit better than most people thought in the preseason polls? I think probably the most, but I, I had them four and zero to this point. I had them five and zero after this game against Vanderbilt. But this is a really trap game for them. You know, last week kind of the emotion of going on kind of on the road in St. Louis, and next week they've really had LSU on campus in Columbia circled for a while. That's the one they've been pointed to. They better take care of business against Vandy. This is two good quarterbacks matched up against each other Saturday in Nashville between Cook and Swan. Cook is really good. He hit his first 13. Swan's good. First 13 against the Tigers, and he's got – And I I don't know how great top to bottom, and rather bottom up to top, that the SEC really is this year at quarterback. I, I think Daniels is all that. I think Cook's good. Swan's good. We're waiting on Leary to do something. I think K.J. Jefferson's good. Dart can have his moments. Will Rogers can have his moments. Joe Milton can have his moments. But Joe Milton only a 62% completion rate so far this year. Uh, Spencer Rattler can can run hot and cold. You, you know, We're waiting for Georgia to have some competition. I don't know how great the quarterback play is right now. It may be by the end of the year, but right now in, in Alabama is, is as deficient at quarterback as they've been in the Nick Saban era. I'll just say this, firsthand viewing in person, not necessarily TV, the best quarterback I've seen so far this year is Cook. No doubt about it. He found open guys, and they've got a great target. I think a guy that will be in the NFL in Luther Burden. I'll be really interested in seeing how Missouri plays the rest of the way. By the way, since we're mentioning Vandy, how about Ryan Silverfield coming out and say, let's let's play in a neutral in Nashville Vandy will play uh, in the Titan Stadium and will play you guys. And, you know, Clark Lee didn't dismiss that yesterday when he responded. Clark Lee's dad is a Memphian, played high school at Central High School, and then came, went to Nashville and played at Vanderbilt, became a prominent physician there, and was for the, a long time either the team doctor for Vanderbilt football or for the triple and or triple A baseball. Med did both. But so there, there's ties with Clark Lee. But I, I, w- I wish. The Memphis Tigers would really get on their soapbox about playing the University of Tennessee somewhere in football. Now they've they've gotten on the soapbox, and Tennessee has responded. <laughs> they won't take their calls. They won't take their calls. That's the truth. So um, I guess the next target would be Vandy because it's pretty clear Tennessee will not play the University of Memphis, which gets me. Even with a basketball connection, Tennessee is, is, won't take calls. Well, yeah, they won't. And, and, you know, Rick Barnes isn't all that interested in playing Memphis while Penny's the head coach either. So that, that is a, uh, a, a relationship that is, is pretty fractured, I would have to well, say at this moment. It is. It's terrible. Speaking of the Vols, should they be 12 and a half point favorites at home against South Carolina? I don't think so in, in that game because of Spencer Rattler. Let's see if it's hot or cold. You know, it's often trick or treat with him, but they have, I think on paper, they have the better quarterback going into this game. And Shane Beamer gets up for this game, did last year, was part of Philip Fulmer's staff in, in the first decade of the 21st century there. It means a lot to him. And this week in the SEC, only seven games. It's all SEC against SEC. Right. One of only two weekends all year that's like that. And it's forking the road for a lot of teams. You, you look at Kentucky, that, that 4-0, and if they blow it against Florida, they haven't won three straight over Florida since winning four straight in the late 40s, early 50s when Bear Bryant was coached there. We're going to see a little more out of Georgia. We talked about Arkansas and A&M. LSU and Ole Miss, same thing. And even for Mississippi State to try to pull the upset over Alabama because Alabama, I don't know how gettable they are, but this is the most vulnerable they've been in a while. Now Florida at Kentucky is the closest by the by the Vegas guys on one and a half point line in favor of the Wildcats. So there's they're, they're all intriguing games uh, in in my mind for sure. Let me switch gears. Last thing we're talking with Brett Norris, really. You'll listen to him three to six starting this afternoon. If you're already not addicted to sports time. Um, the one distraction for you during football season happens every two years. 
It happens this weekend. It's the Ryder Cup. You know the history. You know the games that are going to go on. You know the players that are participating. Explain to me with your vast knowledge, Mr. Norsworthy, how the heck are the Americans favored in this? You know I want America to win. You know how much I love golf. I can't figure it out. How is Team USA in Italy haven't won a road Ryder Cup match uh, tournament in 30 years? How are the Americans favored in this setup? I don't. I don't know how they're favored. I, you would have to see it done at least once before you think it could. It can be done. It's been thirty years playing with persimmon club. Jim Gallagher uh, was part of that team in nineteen ninety three at the Belfry. Tom yep. Watson was captain. That was a fortunate win. That was a bloodletting to get that win. And it's been nothing since then. Tiger Woods played on one winning Ryder Cup team, and that was the freak show in ninety nine at Brookline. Yep. I think the team room has gotten better. Post-Tiger and post-Phil. Well, if what Phil did with Tom Watson... Um, was disgraceful. Yeah, uh, and that was the beginning of our uh, and, sort of our peak that, in the way Mickelson And now we think he may had a little jack on it. That's yeah. why he was so mad. Maybe so. Maybe so. I, I just look at the at the lineups. You look at the top six that, that, that forget the captain's picks, and I still don't get Justin Thomas. Hopefully he does well. But you look at the top six that qualified. That's why he's on it. Uh, yeah. It, there's no doubt that the better players are, are the European players. And I hate to say it, the best American players faded down the stretch, in particular, Scotty Scheffler. And haven't played in a while. The Tour Championships, uh, it, it's moved on since they've been in the, the, the heat of competition. Yeah, well, no, no doubt about it. Thank you, my friend. We'll be listening at three. And I know we won't talk next week, but we will the week after that. You bet, Dave. Thank you. Thank you. That is our friend Brett Norsworthy from Sports Time right here on Sports 56. All brought to you in part by the good folks at Memphis City Golf. Brett loves golf. We just talked about that. Uh, I don't know if he's played the New Pine Hill. He needs to. He needs to go check out Overton Park. Overton Park is so unique. And I, I tip my cap and I salute the nonprofit group that decided they wanted to do something special with Overton Park. And you have to understand the history that goes way back to the 1920s in this town. That's when Overton Park was built, about the same time that uh, they were building Memphis Country Club. So that's how far the roots go. And I mentioned Pine Hill and the new Pine Hill and how it's been redone. We should re- uh, recognize on a regular basis that was the first golf course that was an integrated golf course. It was for everybody to play. And everybody does go and play that new golf course. And if you haven't seen it yet, whew, you've got to get there. Memphis City Golf. Memphis realized great Great cities have amenities, and the amenity of golf now in Memphis, especially with the new Audubon being built, the city has really been wise, and they have done a great job on city golf. And uh, I should point out, if you are going to get a tee time, you got to go to MemphisPublicLinks.com. That's the quickest and easiest way to secure your tea time. We go to Baton Rouge in just a minute. More SEC on the docket with our historian, Ron Higgins. He's next. We are real sports talk. Sports 56 WHBQ. Available on your radio dial at 560 AM and 98.5 FM as well as around the world online at sports56whbq.com. Take us with you everywhere by downloading the Sports 56 app. And at home, just say, Alexa, play Sports 56. Wherever you are, stay tuned in to Real Sports Talk. Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Wolo and Friends on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Presented by Homer Skelton Hyundai. Here once again is the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin. By the way, I, I was mentioning golf. Maybe the most historic golf course in Memphis. That would be Colonial South. On Friday, 1 o'clock, Bobby Cochran will hit the ceremonial first tee as they reopen the new spruced-up Colonial. And Bobby's going to join us. I believe that is going to be tomorrow morning to talk about the new Colonial. That will come your way at about 10 
15. In the meantime, down to Baton Rouge, we shall go. Our friend, SEC historian Ron Higgins joins us now. Good morning, Ron. You'll be in Oxford. That should be a whale of a game. Tell me what you think will happen Saturday at Vaught-Hemingway. Well, I mean, uh, LSU's been playing really well offensively. Uh, Ole Miss hasn't, but I always expect Ole Miss to play better than they have. Uh, I'm just kind of puzzled by Ole Miss's running game, honestly. They've been running run the ball so well last year, and it's kind of deserted them. Uh, LSU's defense was awful last week. Couldn't stop Arkansas, really. Uh, LSU's secondary's pretty bad. Their, their front seven is pretty good. Uh, but the secondary's not very good at all. So I'm just kind of interested. See what will happen, knowing that uh, you give Jackson darts and time, he can make some good throws and have some good receivers. But LSU's offense has been pretty pretty unstoppable for the most part. Uh, uh, they got nothing on their first three possessions last week against Arkansas that scored on their last six possessions. I think LSU, I think they scored like, I think it's 23 of their last 29 possessions, and, and probably 20 of them have been touchdowns. So, wow. Twenty of their uh, last twenty nine possessions have resulted in six points. Yeah, yeah, I think about, about twenty. Yeah, uh, so they, 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 you know, that they, they put some points up now. I mean, they've got a lot of weapons. Uh, offensive line starting to block a lot better. They got a really good receivers. They got about three or four good running backs. Uh, Daniels has vastly improved as a quarterback. So, uh, uh, I almost think LSU feels like. Because their defense still is so suspect that they really have to just outscore people. They have to put up 40, 45 a game to feel comfortable about winning. Uh, and I, I just think that, I think that every week that's what they have, they think they have to do really is score in the, uh, at least 30 in the mid 30s to 40, around maybe more because, uh, again, their defensive backs are, have not been very good at being there. Uh, the transfers for the second straight year. Uh, Brian Kelly's recruits from freshmen who are not really ready yet. And uh, it's a problem. It really is. I mean, they lost, uh, uh, you know, their, their veteran safety, Greg Brooks, uh, two weeks ago, probably for the season. Uh, he, he underwent brain surgery to remove a tumor. Mm. And uh, everybody's uh, hoping that turns out well. Uh, but it's been tough for the secondary. And so, the offense kind of just isn't kind of on them to, to carry them, and they, they certainly did last week. Look, they knew Arkansas was going to be a tough game. It always is. KJ Jefferson is probably the best I've ever seen him play. Uh, and, you know, they had every chance to win that game. LSU had the ball last. That's what wanted. LSU had the ball last. So what you know now, taking in both sides of the ball and obviously the weaknesses on the LSU defense, if you were repicking who's going to win the SEC West, who would it be? I still give LSU a pretty good shot. Okay. Uh, I, I still think they're in there. I, I think, I think uh, LSU, Alabama, and you know, I never really trust Texas A&M. I probably still don't because they just their quarterback just got hurt. They just switched to Max Johnson, LSU's old quarterback. Right. Uh, you know, A&M could lose this week to Arkansas. I mean, Arkansas played well last week. Right. They really did. Defensively, they're not you know not very good, but LSU is that, is that good offensively. I think LSU is better offensively than A and M is. I mean, LSU is, LSU has the best offensive numbers in the league. Uh, but I, I I I think I wouldn't. You know, I mean, Alabama got picked in the preseason number one, I'm, and they're still ranked ahead of LSU in the polls, and uh, that's good for LSU. Kind of kind of gives them a little bit of motivation. Uh, I, I, I would say, in my mind, the, the biggest surprise of the year until they beat Tennessee was Florida's total ineptness and Billy Napier on a hot seat. I'd have to say now, if I were looking at a biggest surprise, it might be Missouri. I think Missouri is a lot better than I thought they were going to be after I watched them personally. Yeah, and, and uh, LSU's got them next week in Missouri. Uh, this, these next two weeks, LSU is only two weeks of the year where they're on the road for two straight weeks. So this is a key swing for them uh, to play at Ole Miss, a place it's hard to play at, and to play and played Missouri, a place they lost at in uh, 2020. Uh, LSU's defense was frankly was a mess, and their their offense was not quite developing. LSU's quarterback got hurt that game, uh, finished the game, and they really they finished his career. He never really played again. So 
this is a tough swing for LSU this week and next week. Uh, then they have Auburn at home, and then they play Army in a week off, and they start their their stretch run against Alabama and Tuscaloosa. So this is a these are a key two swing weeks for LSU. Going to be a lot of fun to watch. All right, let me switch gears real quick. I know yesterday the LSU women, many picked to uh, repeat as national champions. They had a media day. Kim Mulkey let everybody know she had some sort of a heart procedure done uh, in, in, in the past year. She is one heck of a coach. There's no doubt about it. Now she's done in, incredibly well wherever she's coached. Yeah, she really has. I think she's averaged almost like thirty wins a season, which is just ridiculous. She's she's about to. I think I think she's about to win her seven hundredth game. Uh, won back to back Final Fours in national championships as a, as a player. Louisiana Tech almost won three. Won one as an assistant at Louisiana Tech. Won three at Baylor as head coach, and won one last year at LSU. Uh, she's just. Uh, Kids want to play for her because she's very passionate uh, about the way she coaches. Uh, they all these kids know they ha- she has their back in games. I mean, she, she's probably the most animated of all coaches with, with officials, which isn't a bad thing. I mean, gets a, gets the crowd in the game, and uh, she'll get to her. And her players understand that uh, she. I, I've seen her coach in practice. She reminds me a lot of Pat Summit the way she coaches in practice. Well, I think she's in the league with Summit and Gino Ariama, probably Jody Conrad back at Texas, Leon Barmore at Louisiana Tech when they were like AIAW. I mean, those are the the giants. I think she's in in that grouping. Yeah, you know, and uh, she's got a team with a lot of big personalities, and she lets them be themselves. But she also they also understand they better produce on the court uh, and don't do anything to hurt the team on the court by being a big personality, but. Uh, she's got, she's got three players who are among the, the top, uh, six ranked male, women, and female college athletes in, in, in NIL money evaluations. So. You know what? I, and I want to do, I want to talk about this next week. LSU has figured out the NIL market. They bought a baseball championship, the highest paid baseball team. Now they're doing it with women's basketball. Of course, she's the highest paid women's basketball coach. You guys have cornered the market on that. We're going to talk about it next week. Thank you, Ron. Have fun in Oxford on Saturday. It should be a great atmosphere. Be a great game as always. Thanks, Wallace. You got it. That's our historian, our SEC historian. That is Ron Higgins. He's brought to you by Dinstall's. Another taste of Memphis. You could say the sweetest taste of Memphis. And caramel apple season is here. All the favorites. You can go... The classic, just fresh caramel. A lot of people just like it with caramel. I kind of like it with caramel and pecans. Now, you can add caramel and chocolate and pecans. That's pretty interesting. Call that the ultimate turtle. And then you could go even a step further and add cashew crunch. That's wild. Nobody has cashew crunch. That's a twist. That's the most unique, maybe signature of Dinstall's. Their caramel's so good. Their chocolate's so good. You just can't beat it. Caramel apples, you can get it everywhere. They're all open. Now all the stores are open. The remodeled Laurelwood, where they make it on Pleasant View, Germantown, Collierville, the little store downtown that is so charming. Denstel's is everywhere, and caramel apples are now in season. That'll do it for us. Big show again tomorrow. We'll start with Bobby Cochran and we'll go from there. Johnny Radio's next, so don't go anywhere. Have a great day, everyone.